This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 145 of the Laravel News Podcast. I am an exhausted Jake Bennett. Man, it has been a week, you know, it's just like work and all that stuff. Lots of mm-hmm. things to be thankful for, but it has been, it has been a torrential downpour here in Illinois. And like every third person at work is telling me how they're tearing carpet out of their basement because they've had their head, it's been flooded. Wow. And then on uh Saturday, no Sunday, we were having, getting ready to have a pool party and I got a call. It was like, Hey, our building our south building is under four inches of water in the in the main bay we've got four inches of water that's wild and so now that i'm responsible for the it teams as well and not just the software dev teams i was like all right so we had to go down there and basically pull all the crap like destroyed equipment out like because if they had a power strip or like an ac adapter on the ground it Mm -hmm. just got trashed and so we had to like move equipment it was fun day so yeah right i'm still recovering i think (laughs) yeah all that movement i know i know how you feel yeah right so i uh our house stayed dry though so very you know like i said lots to be thankful for yeah yeah it's good here so anyway i mean it's it's probably getting a little bit colder there you guys don't get snow but you guys do you guys do get a lot of rain there too don't you yeah it gets pretty pretty nippy here um we don't as you say we don't see any snow but for no, no. for someone who prefers the warmth, if if it starts getting down into sort of the like low mid teens, that's cold enough for me. I was sitting here yesterday and sure. I just like had thermals on. I had two pairs of socks on. I had my trackies on, my jacket on. I was still cold. I had to I had to give in and turn the the heater on in the end. So so dude, how do you how do you hang dry your laundry when it's not warm enough to hang dry your laundry? You guys don't have a dryer. Yeah, we just hang it inside. Like we we'll, hang it inside. Yeah, oh, yeah, we've got clothes clothes okay. areas and stuff inside, so we just hang it up here. Under under gotcha, there, gotcha, gotcha. and uh, yeah, it usually tries out pretty pretty quickly. Anyway, there you go, ta da! Well, hey, mm-hmm. listen, I know we got a short deadline here this week, so we're going to jump right into it. So, uh, top of the hour, not top of the hour, top of the show. Want to thank Scout APM. We'll be talking about them a little bit later in the show. They're our sponsors, so thanks, Scout, for sticking with us. We really appreciate it. Laravel eight point four seven was released, so this was released with string matching methods, scoped service container instances where contains the JSON assertions and the latest changes in the 8.x branch. Let's start with those string match and match all methods. So loop down and contributed the string match. So this is with the uh, string facade, str colon colon match and str colon colon match all methods. Uh, Previously, these methods were only available while using a stringable instance. So when you would do new stringable and then do contains or whatever it was uh, or match. Uh, But now you can use them just with that facade str of xyz match and so um as of 8.47 you could just do str colon colon match and then pass in the uh values there so that's pretty cool thanks luke good job scoped service container instances so muhammad syed uh laravel employee number one contributed binding scoped singletons which are singletons that must be flushed when switching application context uh, and the use cases for this include a new Laravel Octane request, processing a new queued job, et cetera. And so he talked about this a little bit the other day. He said the scoped, and I think he actually had a video about this too. Yeah. I have a video yep. about this. He's been putting a lot of videos out recently. He just got yeah, a brand been. new a Sony A, was it A660 or something like that? 6100, yeah. 
6100 yeah so um videos are uh, looking good nice job with other muhammad's but what he said is the scoped method binds a class or interface into the container that should only resolve an instance one time within a given Laravel request or job lifecycle. So there's some documentation out there about that. Obviously, with Octane, it brings in some new um, things to be considered, right? Because you're like basically booting once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can think of it as like a daemon, if you will. So there's some additional things you need to consider uh, when you're handling things like uh, jobs or requests uh, w- with Octane, right? So yeah. that's that's regarding that. Aware contains JSON assertion methods. So Steve Bauman contrib- contributed a where contains method to the assertable JSON class. This is going to be used in your tests. So the pull request does a good job of explaining the assertion method. Here's what he says. When running tests, I found it difficult to test whether a JSON array contains a set of values as well as out of order results that I don't have fine-tuned control over their sorting. So you can think of an array where you might have a keys set in a specific order or or maybe you don't, right? Maybe you're not sure exactly the order that you're wanting to, they're wanting to come out, but you're wanting to uh, assert that the JSON in the end contains a list of keys and or results. So this new method is helpful when testing a JSON endpoint that returns database results, for example, as you can test that a nested set of arrays contain all the values and IDs that you're expecting in any order. The comparisons are performed in a strict manner to follow suit with the other methods in the assertable JSON class. And then they give some examples. So this is, you know, it feels like every couple of weeks we get a new one of these JSON assertions. This one really seems like the one that you're going to want to use in a lot of cases where you're, um, it seems like the one that I would want to use, I think, in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases where uh, this is what I find myself running into, actually, is this exact scenario. So uh, really, really useful here. So thank you, Steve. Good contribution there. Um, Mior Mohamed Zaki contributed the ability to use tap on the paginator instance. And then there's an example of what it looks like as a before and after. Um, Just does a little bit of cleanup so you don't have to have a temporary variable uh, in order to do that. Typically, what you would do is you'd have posts and then you'd load the posts and call paginate on those. And then you might do posts load author because you can't, you know, if you, when you call paginate, it's going to return uh, those, that pagination, I think. Let me think about how that works. Or maybe you can't chain uh, a chain, uh, chain items onto the end of that. Uh, but with this, you can now call paginate and then tap and then pass in the posts and load the author that way. Again, Take a look here, but if you're needing to use paginate and you don't want to have to assign a temporary variable, uh, you can use it uh, using the tap method after the paginate method. Um, so that, there you go. You can see, of course, the full list of new features and updates uh, in the show notes and the diff between 8.46 and 4.7 on GitHub or the release notes uh, in the change log. So there we go. That's 8.47. What do we got in 8.48? 8.48 was released with a on-demand file system disk, the ability to prune failed queue jobs and more. So those are the the highlight points, but we'll go through the other things in this release. First off, Muhammad Saeed contributed the ability to prune stale entries from the failed jobs table. So by default, if you were to do PHP artisan prune colon failed, it would remove the failed jobs from the previous 24 hours, but you can specify to only do a subset of that. So you could say 12 or you could say by passing the dash dash hours uh, parameter option argument. One of those three, I never remember, but it's dash dash hours equals 12 or 72 or whatever. This allows you to go through and prune that uh, failed jobs table periodically just so it doesn't get out of hand, which is particularly important if you're processing lots and lots of jobs. Next up, Andrew Brown contributed an on-demand file system disk, which allows you to configure a file system disk on the fly. So if you needed to 
uh, use a local storage driver or you wanted to fully configure that, you can use storage colon colon build in your application. And I suppose this would be useful in scenarios where you are allowing your users to configure like a like an S3 set of credentials and you want to put files in their own bucket. So obviously you wouldn't be able to do this. That within, seems like a great example. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be able to do this within the context of your own config file systems.php file, but you would want to be able to do it on a per user or a per team basis or something like that in order to say store video files if you're doing transcoding or something like that for them. So definitely check that out if that is something that you have needed in your applications. Next up, Ryan Chandler has contributed the ability to customize the event stub used in the make event command. So we've talked about customizing stubs in Laravel previously on the show, and we'll link to a Laravel News article on the topic as well if you're interested in a hands-on example of why you might want to publish and customize the stubs in your application. We also had Tim Robertson contribute uh, a the ability to make the HTTP client macroable in Laravel. So having the request macroable will allow for the elimination of excess boilerplate code when faking HTTP requests with body content other than form or JSON. Uh, so if you needed to do uh, XML requests, you could define a macro for a request colon colon macro XML in a service provider. And then you could have your own custom XML parser in there so that you could simplify that process if you need to do that. Mm, so that's, that's really interesting. There. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh, and last up, we have from Amir Reza Merbaksh out of the uh, support for GIF or GIF, WebP, WBMP, and BMP when creating test file uploads. The PR also updates the code to check the file extension and create proper test images if you're using the file factory colon colon image method in your test. So you, once again, you can see the full list of new features and updates in the link that we'll put in the show notes and you can check the changes and the change log for 8.47 to 8.48. Links for all of that will be in the show notes. That's nice. I was, you know, we use file systems quite extensively in our um, PHP applications. I think sort of because it's like one of those things where when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Sort mm-hmm. of deal. Um, I think it's what it is, right? That, that idea of like, well, we use Laravel for everything. So we might as well yeah. use Laravel for this. I'm sure there's probably other tools that could do the job as well, but it's just like, we, we have some file system operation stuff that we end up doing with PHP. So we have lots of storage stuff that we do. And I was thinking, where else could you use this build an on-demand file system disk? So if you had a class specifically that interacted with a particular location in your in your file system or, or it's going to be, you know, it's going to accept one argument as far as like maybe a root file path. Um, you could then define that in your constructor or in a method and then just use that really simply throughout the rest of it instead of having to pass that every time. Right. So, cause sometimes you're, you, you know, you'll be using a storage disk that's like in a specific location, but not mm-hmm. always the same root directory. And so you, every time you're saving a file, you kind of have to specify, this slash this slash the this prefix yeah yeah right the yeah it's sort of like the, the folder structure or so it's like you can store it in the constant maybe and put it in the top and reference it every time in that class yeah but then you can't pass it in so it's like how do you do that right so that the, using build you could just basically build out that root path and then use that throughout the rest of your application that or mm-hmm. throughout the rest of that class might be cool that's a really neat um contribution though thanks andrew really cool okay some news here. We've got uh, two that are not really releases. Uh, I suppose they are, but they're not Laravel releases. So they're not in our releases section. But Tailwind CSS 2.2 is now here with a new CLI 
and JIT features. Um, and uh, what's his name? What's the fellow Aussie? Simon. Scott, right? Simon. Simon. I said Scott. Simon, thank you. Um, dude, he's killing it with videos recently, right? Yeah. So good. Basically, so his full-time good. gig so is, is all the community outreach yeah. stuff and the, and the video production. And and he's doing a great job with it, uh, despite the he, he av- really av- is. avocado. What do they call it? It's a, yeah, the, an, an yeah, udi. Avocado. It's an udi, they call it. Avocado udi. Udi. Yeah, that was pretty funny. He he did a really great job with this. Um, so if you're a person who likes to watch videos, uh, to get some of these updates and stuff, definitely go go watch that video. It was a great one, and he actually was talking about it on Twitter too, just saying like, "Hey, this is you know my best or my most produced video," and it's you know he was really really proud of it. So yeah, definitely go check that out. Good, really good work being done there. So Tailwind 2.2 was released with a brand new CLI tool, a ton of new features using the JIT engine. So here are some of the items. So they released a brand new CLI, that which which was built from the ground up, and it adds support, uh, support for some nice features to make it convenient to work with Tailwind right away. So all you need to do is just NPX Tailwind CSS, and then there's a couple different options that you can um, throw in there. Here's the output location. You just we use watch, use JIT. You can use uh, you can pass in the values for purge, uh, all without having to create a Tailwind config file, uh, which is kind of what the previous thing was. So mm-hmm. uh, you can just literally in any project just get started right away. All you need is like you know bare bones HTML page, and then just run your Tailwind CLI, and there you go. You've got everything that you need. So pretty pretty nice. It's it's really really good. Um, we also now have the ability to style pseudo elements with JIT. So if you're not sure what a pseudo element is, it's um, if you ever remember doing after or before. And I think sometimes it was like if I was doing some sort of fancy like little hack where I wanted to put, um, I don't know, like some custom thing to the left of a bullet point or something like yeah. that, right? Like there's these there are these little pseudo elements that that you can. Um, inject on the page, uh, Tailwind now has first-party support for styling pseudo-elements using the JIT compiler. Um, there is some examples, but you can say, uh, you can have a div class before block, before BJ blue, after flex, after pink, B, you know, so there's anything that you could have done in there, typically, um, you can do now with these. You can also do, this is the crazy thing, the way that you would have had to do it before is you'd say this content right? You'd say before content, and then you'd pass in values. You can do that in the CSS, which is crazy. So like in the class, you could put before colon content, and then you can pass in the content through the CSS class. That's just wild, just wild stuff that you could do now using this JIT compiler. So really, really cool. And then of course, all it does is basically just adds that particular class uh, to your CSS and mm-hmm. that, that's it, right? So the whole idea of the JIT compilers it just gives you what you need right at the time that you need it. So you can define all these crazy custom values. And so now you have the ability to do these before and after uh, pseudo elements. Really, really neat stuff. You also have slip, uh, sibling selector variants. Uh, so they're peer-star variants targeting sibling elements. So this is useful for styling elements based on the state of other siblings. So the example they provided is for styling an element when a sibling checkbox is checked, right? So um, it's sort of historically, checkboxes have been one of those things that are really difficult to style. Uh, so by using these sibling selectors, you can say, if this is checked, then this other sibling item that's next to it you can almost add, uh, use as just like this is the styled selector. So if you have a checkbox, you could actually highlight 
uh, an entire like container div around that checkbox. So it's obvious, more obvious maybe that that item is highlighted. Um, so really, really neat stuff there. Uh, again, uh, check the video if you want more information, all sorts of cool stuff that's added that we're not even talking about on here. I mean, it would literally take, you know, the next 40 minutes to talk through all the different <laughs> things that have been There's added a lot of there, stuff, yeah. Really good. Yeah, lots of stuff. Really great job for the uh, Tailwind team. They're just killing it recently. So great job, everybody who worked on that. And uh, great job on the video as well. Mm. All right, man. What do we got next? Next up, Pest PHP. So the community around the Pest PHP testing framework, which we've talked about, I believe, previously on the show, has added a whole bunch of new features, including higher order expectations, the ability to do uh, or the integration with Sparsi's Ray debugging tool and a VS Code snippets extension. So first up, and probably the the headline feature here is the higher order expectations API, which was contributed to PEST by Luke Downing and Sam Roden. Allows you to create expectations on methods and properties. So where previously you might have used the expect helper function. So expect user arrow name, and then you can go arrow to B, you know, Michael. You can now call this all all fluently and all chained together using the higher order expectations API. So instead of um, wrapping individual things and having, you know, expect username, expect user email, expect whatever, you can go expect user um, and then you can just chain these things all on. So arrow name, arrow to be Michael uh, as a method call and then email and all of that. So very difficult, I think, to explain as, as is always yeah, the case. Yeah, it is. With, but with, once you look at it, it's... But look at it, it basically just yeah, allows you to read much more fluently and, and it makes the the test, I suppose, as as simple to read as what you would find with, you know, the code that we're kind of striving to write for within the, the context of Laravel to make it readable, to make it easier to to sort of read through and and, and explain to yourself, you know, to understand it. Um and, and PHP unit and testing in general has usually been rather verbose and not necessarily the most readable of things. So it's nice to see with PEST that you've got the ability to, to have that same level of readability. So check out the expectations documentation for complete examples. We'll have links to that in the show notes. Next up, Freik van der Herten contributed a Ray function to the PEST PHP expectations API, which allows you to easily debug expectations via the Ray app by changing calls to Ray. So um, basically just chain on Ray and it'll spit that out into the Ray application for you. So gives you the the full ability to use Ray for uh, debugging your tests and things like that. So check out the documentation for that as well. And lastly, Dan Ang released a PEST snippet extension for writing PEST PHP tests in Visual Studio Code. So if you're using PEST and VS Code, check that out. Um, there is a complete list of snippets available from the PEST snippets Visual Studio Marketplace page. But there will be more resources and full links to all of that, including a visual explanation of what I was trying to um, go through with the higher order expectations API in the show notes. So for those of you who haven't used PEST before as well, and Michael, you can correct me if this is wrong, but this is really just like a superset on top of PHP unit, right? This is built yeah. on top of PHP unit. So, yeah, it, it extends from um, PHP unit, but really... it, it, it sort of, it slims down a lot of the extraneous stuff that you write. Um, you know, with PHP yeah. unit, everything's a, a, a class and it doesn't really necessarily make sense to have a class in that context because it's not it's not really object-oriented programming. You've got a whole bunch of methods that that are available from the test case and things like that. But this just, it flattens the structure a little bit. It makes the, the test naming a little bit more readable 
you know you don't have to separate it with underscores or have camel camel case and things like that so it's it's easy to type especially when in most scenarios i know i personally when i'm writing tests i try and make the test name as descriptive as possible so trying to yeah. wrangle your hands into you know contorting them into <laughs> underscores and things like that whilst keeping a, a finger on sure. shift all the time is a bit annoying so just being able to type sentences there instead makes things easy and that's that's probably one of the biggest things for me but the expectation api is a lot a lot nicer it's it's modeled closely on the jest testing framework from the javascript ecosystem so it's it's um you know it's not completely new ideas but it's just bringing those ideas to php yeah absolutely and it does some magic for you too so like if you're using a model and it, you're using create, it's going to go ahead and just say, yeah, go ahead and run database migrations for you. You don't have to put, you know, specify that. It just kind of, it will inspect things and kind of run some things that you that you um, would need. Now there are, with that magic, there are some other things like um, that you have to look up if you're used to using PHP unit and you want to use like a data provider or something like how do you do that? It's a little bit different, right? But uh, yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's a quick learning curve mm. and uh, really nice API to work with. Okay. Moving on to packages. Before we get there, hey, we want to give a quick shout out to Scout APM, our sponsor today. So APM stands for Application Performance Monitoring, and Scout APM does that for you in spades. It's designed to help PHP developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with really large applications that sit on your servers and take up lots of space. So it's got a developer-centric UI, and it traces logic and ties bottlenecks to your source code, things like N plus one queries or slow database queries or memory bloat, things like that. It'll help you pinpoint and resolve exactly where those are at in your code so you can spend less time debugging and more time building that next killer feature. They've got real-time alerting, weekly digest emails, and you can rest easy at night knowing that Scout is on watch 24-7 to help you resolve these performance issues before your customers ever even see them. Right now, you can get a free 14-day trial and experience why PHP developers worldwide call Scout their very best friend when it comes to PHP development. And for Laravel News listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. You can check out more about Scout at scoutapm.com slash Laravel News. Thanks so much, Scout, for continuing to sponsor the show. You're rock stars. We love you. Okay. Building API classes, request classes in Laravel with Transporter. Michael, you want to take this one or you want me to take it? Yeah, I can take it. I was reading about this earlier today. Transporter is a futuristic way to send API requests in PHP, which is an object-oriented programming approach to handling API requests. So where... Currently, if you're using Laravel's HTTP client, uh, you might write something like HTTP colon colon with token and then pass a token in there and then call get and then pass an array of data and things like that. But using Transporter, you essentially create a new request class for each uh, for each request that you want to send. So you, in this case, if we're sending a, a request to a to-do endpoint to mark a to-do as complete, you might just do to do request colon colon build arrow send. And so what's happening behind the scenes of this to do request class is that you're defining uh, the method you're using, the base URL, the path that you're posting to, any uh, default data and any additional things that you're sending with the request. So in this case, we're needing to send a token. Um, so you're defining all of this in a class. So it allows you to put all of that logic in one place. So you're not cluttering up your controllers and jobs and things like that with HTTP request calls and and so on um 
And then essentially you can just call that, as I said, using the, the build method and, and firing the send method on it. You can, if you need to, override defaults. So if the default is com- completed is true, you know, you might have a complete to-do request request. Um, you can override that and things like that by passing a with data method. So it's using the Laravel HTTP client under the hood. And, and of course, that then exposes the same API, including support for fake responses in tests. So um, cool, cool project from Steve McDougall, who's put this together. But you can learn more about the package and get full installation instructions and view the source code on GitHub. I suppose if you're, if you're doing, you know, one or two HTTP calls in your applications, it, it may not necessarily be that you need something like this. But if you're doing a lot of requests, if you're building an SDK and, or something like that, then this is certainly something that you can check out. I'm sure I, I've got a alarm bell ringing in my head that I've, you know, built this kind of thing out in some way or another in the past. So this is a, a nice sort of codified way of doing that. So definitely check it out if HTTP requests are something that you are sending. Yeah, this is interesting. I'm trying to figure out what parts I like about this and what parts I'm sort of like, hmm... Uh, and like you said, like if you don't have an SDK that you're currently using, then this is a interesting way to handle it. Um, there are some things like I suppose like if the base URL, yeah, the base URL is going to be the same on a lot of these things. If you like have a resource that you're going to be hitting, right? Yeah. So it's like I suppose you could make a base class and extend a base class, or you could you know have a trait or something that you're you know including. Um, I think the interesting part is that it's really easily named, right? So you actually have the thing that you're doing rather than the cruft around like the, this, get this client and whatever. What we typically do is we have like a gateway class that we do. Mm-hmm. So we'll have like a really, really quick way. I'll just explain it real quick. We have a service provider. We have a uh, interface and then we have a fake and we have a real like so we have a fake uh, implementation and then they have a real implementation like an http gateway whatever and so during testing we just swap over to the fake gateway and then we can define all our fake data and stuff in there uh, and then we have a facade as well that we use to reference the you know instance that's bound into the container so our stuff usually looks pretty simple so it'll be like you know github api colon colon the name of the thing we want to do and then pass any data if you need to um but this is a really novel approach. I've not seen anybody kind of take this exact approach where they actually have a specific class for each thing that you're going to do with the API. So this is really interesting. Uh, and it seems mm-hmm. like even with with the tests, uh, it looks pretty nice too. So yeah, I'm going to look into this as well. Looks nice. Okay. Definitely. Laravel examples. Laravel examples. So uh, Pavilas, uh, I, I always get his first name wrong. How do, we, how do you say it? Pavilas? Pavilas. Pavilis Korup, the creator of Laravel Daily, uh, started a brand new project today called Laravel Examples. And this is a catalog of code examples that are structured by topic and by the project. So he's got things like global helpers, queues and jobs, policies. And the idea behind this project is it could be a really great way to learn about new concepts from existing code or finding how others are implementing different patterns. So typically, this is something that you'd find by browsing like GitHub repositories, right? Um, I know I used to go to, uh, it was like the unofficial Laravel site. Uh, Dries maintains it or did maintain it. Laravel.io. Right? Um, 
Yeah, thank you. Laravel.io. And I used to reference that on a pretty regular basis. Be like, how is it that they're doing that? Right. Because they always, it was just really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I created by developers of respect. So Sean McCool created the version before Dries created the, the next one, I think. Um, but it's like a good spot to reference some of those things. So basically, I think that's the idea behind this. You're looking to see how others are implementing different patterns. So, for example, let's say you need to create your own helpers for a project. You'd like to see how others are doing that. And in the example, uh, you can see how they load their custom files in through Composer or through a service provider. Um, so then you can see precisely where the helpers are called, how they structure their code, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll be an even better learning resource uh, than possibly GitHub is what it said here. I don't know, Eric. I don't know about that, but it'll certainly be more like centralized. It's a curated version of examples, right? Rather than having to dig around in somebody else's code and try and find something that matches up with what you're looking to do. um, You can go in here, take a look through some examples, get some inspiration, and then go use those in your code. There we go. Excellent. Next up, we have here the email domain rule. So validating allowed domain emails or email domains rather in Laravel. So this is a package that allows you to define a subset of allowed email domains that you can use within a validator. The email domains are stored in the database and the accompanying validation rule uses the database to verify an email field. The package also supports wildcard support, which can come in handy in a multi-tenant application where you'd like to constrain which domains the user can register within a given tenant. Uh, so this is useful in scenarios. I know that I know that we do this kind of thing where we're doing checking that people that are signing up are coming from a .com.au or a .gov.au or .edu.au or whatever to make sure that, you know, we're putting checks in place as best we can that people are signing up with valid Australian domains. But if you were tenanting an application for, say, you've got uh, a franchise and you've got like .sa.mycompany.com.qld and each of those is a tenant within your application, you might want to make sure that people are using the correct email addresses. They're not you know, you might want to ban free email accounts, hotmails and gmails and whatever else, uh, all that kind of stuff, just to sort of minimize the surface area for, um, uh, what do you call it, dodgy accounts and bots and things like that. So definitely check that out sure. if if uh, you're wanting to do that kind of thing. As I said off the top of my head, I've got a couple of, of use cases there for it. Um, but yeah, check that one out. That is no, I think the, I think the, the tenant one sounds very... Um likely to be the scenario for why they built this right so it's yeah. like hey you you registered with this domain at you know at google.com if you're going to be signing up new users you can only register people with that domain something like that mm-hmm. yeah interesting very yeah. nice hey we've got another spassy package can you believe it spassy um, came out with a package wow unbelievable hard believe hard to believe laravel google fonts is a package by Spassi to manage self-hosted Google fonts in Laravel apps. So what does that mean? What does that mean to say self-hosted Google fonts in your Laravel apps? Here's what it is. It will work by registering the font embed URL that you typically get from Google uh, into your application. It scrapes the CSS, it fetches the assets, it stores them locally, and then it renders the CSS for that in line during that first request. So the inline rendering reduces a trip to the server your server, but if anything goes wrong during that process, it will fall back to the link tag to fetch the CSS uh, and assets from Google's CDN. So it's like, why, why would you do this, right? Um, apart from the performance benefit that it gives you, which is, you know, you don't have to make another trip to the server because it's going to inline that CSS and host the assets locally. It also allows you to keep these things self-hosted 
um, which allows you to not have to rely on Google for your for people to to go um, get them from them, right? Mm-hmm. If for some reason Google went down, God forbid. I mean, <laughs> I don't think, yeah. that, well. don't think that's t- going to be a typical experience, right? But it could happen, right? Uh, it can be annoying to have to do that, though. I know I've tried to do this, sort of like, okay, how can I download a Google font? Because I don't want to actually reach out to Google every time and hit their CDN. Um, and so with this, uh, you can even fetch the assets and CSS ahead of time uh, during a new deployment with the artisan command that's provided with it, PHP artisan Google dash fonts colon prefetch. And uh, so here's what they say. Google Fonts has an impressive catalog of fonts, but relying on it has its costs. By hosting fonts on an external domain, Browsers need to perform an additional DNS lookup, and this slows down your initial page load. Uh, in addition, you're directly loading, uh, you're directing your visitors to Google property, which privacy-minded users might not appreciate, which is something that I didn't think of, right? But mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be aware where they're being directed to uh, Google from, and so they're like, "Oh, okay, I see you're loading that from this site, right?" Um, so now you can download your Google fonts and self-host them. Uh, but it's uh, typically more work than embedding a code. Keeping up with the latest font version can also be a chore, and this makes doing all of that as frictionless as possible for Laravel users, which is the typical path for Freak and the team over at Spassi. They always do such a great job with these packages. So if you're looking to self-host some of those things, don't waste the time to figure it out yourself. Just check this package out and use it. Beautiful. Next up, we have PHP Insights, just releasing version 2 with the ability to automatically fix proposed insights, adding support for PHP 8, faster analysis, and more. So PHP Insights is a is an opinionated yet configurable code quality tool to analyze your PHP projects that provides static analysis tools, framework-specific recommendations, and quality checks to ensure your code stays in tip-top shape. So the uh, headline features here, the ability to automatically fix insights from PHP CS and PHP CS Fixer. So you can run vendor bin PHP insights fix and it will automatically fix any insights uh, in your code. With version 2, PHP insights is now compatible with PHP 8 and Composer v2. And in, in addition, some insights make recommendations to use newer PHP 8 features not available in older versions of PHP. There is also a new summary option which allows you to provide real-time monitoring of your PHP insights while you code. So you can watch uh, your application files while you're coding, running the, the summary command here. And if you make changes to your application code that introduces a uh, inside violation, insight violation, it will alert you straight away and you can go and fix that up. So rather than... That is um, crazy. Rather than doing it as a retrospective thing or part of CI or whatever, you can just keep an eye on it, kind of like using linters in... Um, you know, in your IDs and things like that. So it was yeah. spit you errors and, and red text and things like that. Um, but between the version one and version two of PHP Insights, there have been various performance tuning and caching to increase analysis performance. Uh, all the issue details are stored in cache for quicker results when the file's content does not change between two reports. And lastly, V2 can utilize multiple CPU cores via configuration. If you don't specify, PHP Insights will automatically detect how many cores you have and use all of them. So definitely check that out. There's been a, a whole heap of things added to to the project, the things that have been fixed and changed as well, and some deprecation. So check that out. If you have been using PHP Insights previously, time to upgrade. If you haven't been, definitely something worth checking out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they have a video of um, keeping it running and being getting those real-time insights into it. It looks really pretty yeah. neat. Very cool. 
Hey, we've also got Google Chat Laravel notification channel package out here. So if you've not used Laravel notifications before, it essentially allows you to send notifications to all these different platforms, whether it's Slack or whether it's uh, Twilio, whether it's Telegram and now Google Chat. Um, so which I'm sure has been there previously, but this one is a little bit, little bit better, I think, because it not only gives you the ability to send items to uh, Google Chat, but it also allows you to send those using different card layouts. So you, if you've seen this in like Slack before, right, you can have different types of actions that you can take on a particular uh, message that comes through in Slack. Like, so for example, uh, we use Sentry for our error monitoring. And uh, in some of those cards that they'll send, you can actually select a drop down menu from there and say you can resolve it, you can ignore it, you can do, you know, do a couple different things. And straight from within Slack, you can say, yeah, I want to resolve this one and it'll res- resolve it right there without ever having to get out of your Slack channel. It just sends another um, API request over to Sentry and resolves it for you. So now you can do these advanced card layouts using the packages provided classes. So you can have, um, you know, you can do text, bold, line, link, uh, and you can then have the different spots where it's going to link to. I'm not going to go into all of the details, but if you're wanting to use the cards, uh, this is going to be a good package for you to check out. It also has this concept of alternate rooms, which you can configure to send messages to a Google chat room instead of the default. So you can say these are the different spaces that you can define in your Google uh, chat config. And then you can utilize any of those different spaces uh, by just saying Google chat message create and then at, at the end or somewhere within the fluent chain to and then the name of one of those spaces that you've defined within your config and it'll just send it over to that different room. So uh, if you've ever done that, like if you're integrating with uh, Slack or something again, Slack, sorry, folks, uh, but it'll ask you what room you want to send something to. Um, you can, or like, you know, pound sign errors or pound sign dev channel or whatever. Uh, you can now define these different items inside of the spaces config and then just switch between them within your app really easily. Um, look, so it looks really, really good. I didn't catch who made this one. Let me give a shout out to them because this looks like some really good work here. Let's see who we got. Don't know. Can't tell. Hmm. Cannot tell. I'll, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. Um, but yeah, there we go. We got two tutorials left, Mr. Dorinda, and then we are done, my friend. Yes. So first up, we have a tutorial video posted by Muhammad Seed. We spoke about him putting out some more content recently. This one was published on the Laravel YouTube channel, outlining five tips for dealing with Laravel service container. So we spoke about the the scoped instances or the scoped container bindings earlier. Uh, this video talks about the scoped instances versus singletons and when you might want to use one or the other or why you would use one or the other, as well as avoiding executing database queries in service providers, avoiding reading session data in service providers, resolving bindings in the register method and rebinding using rebinding events, uh, which is part of the Octane application stuff uh, for refreshing dependencies and things like that. So definitely check that one out. It's a good good, uh, 10 minutes or so video that you can check out you want to learn more about Laravel service container in Laravel 8. Is shipping Docker, hold on. Is shipping Docker, what's his name? Paul Redmond? Paul's, yeah. Then let's talk about it real quick. You know what? Because Paul's the freaking man. So okay. everybody, you should check out shipping Docker. It's a Docker tutorial that dives deep, learning how to use Docker in development, testing, and production. 
the course is 140 bucks. And if you've used Docker or wanted to use Docker with PHP in your production environment or just locally, you got 17 modules, 106 videos to stream or download from everyone's favorite human, Mr. Paul Redmond. You should definitely go check this out. Paul, we love you. And good luck with this like baby mini sponsor read here. Hope lots of people buy your product and you buy a Lamborghini or something crazy. Okay, folks, that brings us to the end of the show. This was episode 145. My friends, if you'd like to leave a review for this podcast because you're so enamored by the content you see here. Don't give us credit. Just say thanks to Eric and Paul on Twitter because we don't write the content. We just read it. So say thanks to them and then go ahead and rate us up five stars in your podcatcher of choice would be very much appreciated. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 145. And if you have any questions for us, you can hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda at Jacob Bennett or at Laravel News. Thanks so much, folks, for listening. We will see you in a couple weeks. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.